93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. This city is my city, and I love it, yeah, I love it. Get ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And good day to you. Glad that you have joined us for the CEO Roundtable Show this weekend on The Eagle. Uh, great to have you with us. Uh, we are visiting in the Eagle Studios with uh, Gabe Huffington, who is the acting director of Columbia's Parks and Recreation. Gabe, uh, welcome to the Eagle. Welcome to the CEO Roundtable. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Great to have you. I have known you for a few years, and and uh, so I'm excited to uh, talk with you about some of the things that you've got going on in your life. But uh, let's start uh, first with a little bit about your background and uh, kind of your career path. Where'd you grow up? Sure. Grew up in Buffalo, Missouri, southwest oh. Missouri. Uh, migrated here as part of the golf industry. Okay. Um, I was a golf course superintendent for a number of years. Had the opportunity back in 2008, about 14 years ago, to start with the Columbia Parks and Recreation Department. And, you know, as through my career of 14 years, I've, I've been promoted a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And so served the longest time as the park services manager. So operated everything from golf and sports turf to park maintenance to planning and long-term construction. And, you know, had the opportunity to become the assistant director a little over a year ago and and then just three weeks ago became the acting director for columbia parks and recreation yeah and you became the acting director because your old boss mike griggs or maybe still is your boss uh was uh promoted to acting as deputy city manager is that correct Correct. Yep. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Mr. Seawood talked to him about taking a different leadership role with the city. Um, there was some um, assistance that he needed with, you know, everything from city infrastructure to other issues that are happening. And, you know, Mike has been a long term employee with the city of Columbia. Um, it was kind of a natural fit for him to take that role on, you know, as he gets um, into his career. It's kind of a new challenge almost. Mm-hmm. And so just the great opportunity. I'll, I'll still work for Mike. He's still uh, will be my supervisor as we move into these new roles. And yeah. um, as I can continue to lead the Parks and Recreation Department. I can't imagine a worse fate, and I, I really like Mike Griggs a lot, but you know, you go from uh, uh, messing with golf courses and pickleball courts and, and uh, the the funner things in life to all of a sudden you're dealing with roll carts and labor unions and and uh, uh, telephone lines, I mean uh, power lines and, and power grids, and uh, that just uh, doesn't sound like a really good trade uh, to me. Well, you know, in, in some instances it may not. You know, Parks and Recreation, we always talk about what a great job it is. But, you know, when he looked at that role and he worked for the city, and we've we've always worked for citizens of Columbia. Yep. And so he just has an opportunity to take on a different role. Yeah. Um, different, you know, issues with city council to issues with citizens. And, you know, if you, you think about a person that's worked for the city a long time that knows the ins and outs, that's Mike. Yeah. And we know he'll do a great job at yeah. it. Yeah. It's interesting. And maybe they're hoping a little bit of Mike's charm will rub off on City Hall because, you know, when... When you look at um, the surveys that have been done, you look at the parks tax elections, uh, you know, parks and recreation really has the highest approval ratings of any department in our city. People feel very good 
about uh, not only the amenities, but the staff and, and the way that uh, people engage with our park system. And so uh, it really, uh, it's a well-oiled machine. I mean, it's it's kind of a, uh, it'd be nice to have every function of the city work as well as parks and recreation. You know, I am fortunate, we you know, walking into this position, it's more of a case of, of continuing on with mm-hmm. what we do. Um, our staff does a lot of fantastic things in our community. We have citizen support for what we do. And yeah. so a lot of what we will do and what we'll talk about today is just continuing on in that pattern. Yeah. Um, we're coming out of kind of what we call the coming out of COVID, so to speak. And yeah. so now it's more of trying to get a lot of people to come back to parks that haven't maybe been there. Some of our special events are going to get ramped back up a little bit in yeah. terms of number of people. And so we're, we're excited for the summer. It's going to be a great summer for us. I'm, I'm thinking back about the succession of directors. Uh, uh, I go back to Dick Green. Uh, and then my recollection is that Mike Hood followed Dick Green. Do, do you, does that ring a bell with you? Yep. Okay. And then Mike Griggs. Yes. Okay. And uh, obviously you'll be a candidate when it's time to, to hire a full-time uh, director. But uh, it seems like uh, the directors have come from within the ranks of uh, parks and recreation and so there's a lot of continuity there which obviously is very important yeah it always has been um, mr green still comes back i talk to him probably once a month twice a <laughs> month and so he even comes back and has offered support and mr hood is it, we see him every so often as well and so really there is that uh, long-term knowledge that has always been there that it's it's fortunate that we can pick their brain a little bit in terms of the city of columbia the growth that we've had the reasons that people support our our department and and kind of looking forward and and what would you do and how would you do things and um as we plan long term we still have that knowledge base in columbia yeah i i remember uh, when we were going through the transition with the uh the boone county fairgrounds uh, over to parks and recreation i would run into dick green uh at uh, high v where he holds court quite frequently and and uh, uh he would he was very good about giving me the history about how things had evolved and, and about past relationships and so forth so that uh, institutional knowledge, uh, you're very fortunate to have that. Good for you. That's that's great. Um, so when you uh, you you transitioned, uh, you your first job with parks recreation did it have to do with golf courses? It did. So okay. I was one of the four park supervisors, and okay. I spent about four years doing that. And then I was promoted to park services manager, and that is more managing kind of what we call the dirty booth side of parks and recreation, um, everything from maintenance, construction, planning, golf and sports turf, and then our natural resources as well. Yeah. We have something pretty unique that I think makes uh, is one of the reasons Parks and Recreation is so successful. But you actually have your own construction crews, and you have uh, the trades that uh, are full time employees uh, for you that can build almost anything. Is that correct? Correct. We have eight full time employees that will build anything from a park shelter to concrete trail. Um, help us rewire a building if it has some electrical issues, and so we are very fortunate to what we always say is stretch our dollars. Yeah. Um, with any park project to be yeah. able to do that, you. You have to have those staff and you have to have that technical experience and so those individuals are, are we're very fortunate to have them yeah good for you okay i want to ask you a little bit about uh, uh last november uh, i think it was in november uh the voters uh, uh approved the renewal of one of the park sales taxes uh, there is a permanent park sales tax and there is one that gets renewed it used to be every six years now we've been able to increase it to 10 years is that correct correct all right uh Tell us a little bit about um, th- that, as I recall, had uh, 
amazing, overwhelming support uh, from the voters of Colombia. Uh, where are we with uh, that tax? Has it been implemented? And uh, what what are the plans for, for the funds that will come from that tax? Yep. So I, I have to start off first with thanking Columbia citizens. Mm-hmm. You know, that tax is incredibly important for us to pass in terms of developing the park system that we have today. And so to be able to continue that for another 10 years is crucial for what we are trying to do as a Parks and Recreation Department. Um, after the renewal of that tax in November, we went back to the city council in february our next step is to look at the 10-year plan for funding Uh, we generate roughly three million dollars per year and so we will look at three million dollars worth of capital improvements on an annual basis and so in february we had discussions with them about the implementation schedule and that was approved by council so Mm -hmm. we now have a what i always say is a 10-year plan set um, for what we're going to do with our projects and so we are in that first year of projects we're starting to have some major discussions about other projects and starting that public input process um, for some other long-term projects that we have that I think we're going to talk a little bit about today. Yeah. You know, I... um it's kind of interesting to think about uh, the park sales tax, and and uh, I will tell you early on, I was not a I was not a big enthusiast about it, but and I know there's a lot of people out in the eagle listening land that uh, don't favor that tax, but I, I think that when I got to a point where uh, I am very pro business, and when I saw the impact when it came to economic development. And recruiting and retaining companies, and more importantly, uh, recruiting and retraining these top executives and these scientists, uh, these NIH-funded scientists, uh, physicians, professors, uh, quality of life, quality of place is very, very important. And the number one thing that comes up on the list when you talk to people about, well, why did you pick Columbia? Why did you decide to expand your business in Columbia? Why did you decide to move to Columbia? You know, parks is always in the top three things that are mentioned. And uh, so how do you uh, when you come across a group, if you're speaking to a, a rotary club or whatever, and you, you have a few naysayers in the group that say, you know what, the last thing we need is another tax in this town. Um, how do you how do you help them understand why it's important? I think you had made this term of quality of life. We always start with the quality of life for Columbia citizens. Um, we look at our parks department and we start to analyze, are we touching almost every citizen? So whether you are a retiree that mm-hmm. is looking to move to Columbia as the last place you're going to live and what amenities can I have while I am here to a young family that's going to use a park system, whether it's to learn how to swim, play on a playground or use our athletic fields. Mm-hmm. We try to make sure that, you know, we have something for everyone, whether yeah. that's through a recreation program or or through a park that they just may visit that's in their neighborhood. Mm -hmm. We know there is an economic value to living next to a park. We know that there is a sports tourism benefit to parks and recreation and what we can bring to our community. And then we all just know that ultimately we're just trying to improve that quality of life for citizens. Mm -hmm. So if you live here and and your goal is physical fitness or your goal is just to be in nature part of your day because you may spend eight hours in a hospital working um, with University of Missouri and after that time you need to get outside, we're going to make sure that we can and supply that to you in a number of different ways. Yeah. Okay, as you drive around town right now, what are some of the projects that we might see that are underway uh, in Parks and Recreation? Yep, so we're working on the end of our 2015 tax, and so we've got a couple projects that we're wrapping up, but Rockbridge Neighborhood Park, um, we actually have an event with the four Columbia volunteers this weekend to wrap that park project up. Tell us where that is. Um, it's off Miramar Lane, so it's just off of Nifong, um, uh down towards Southwest Columbia. 
Columbia. It's a small neighborhood park, but mm-hmm. one of those that we need to touch on because of the, the connectivity to that neighborhood. And then also Vineyards Lake Park is a new park that we're developing pretty close to the Zimmer Radio Group. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just over in the Vineyard subdivision, but there's a large lake associated with that, so we're working on that project. Right, so there's a lake in the park. Yeah, there is. Ah, yeah, pretty that, cool. Yep, that was part of the reason that we actually looked at that as a park development project um, was the value of that lake can have for Columbia citizens. Mm-hmm. And then we're also, as we ramp up this new the new park sales tax projects, there's three in Cosmo Park. So we're getting ready to start on the planning process to do some renovations at Rainbow Softball Center. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been operating out of the same concession restroom since that facility opened in 1983. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's time to upgrade that facility. Also some Cosmo Park shelters. We're going to start the process on renovating some of those. And then at Phillips Park, um, we are building some tennis courts and pickleball courts. Um, and that's located in Southeast Missouri. And then we're also building a new indoor pavilion there. So we've got a lot of different projects going. Um, I usually tell people when we're, we're talking about park construction, we've got seven or eight projects going at one time throughout the year in yeah. different phases. You said an indoor pavilion at, at Perry Phillips Park? Yes. That, okay. Uh, what's that going to be like? Is it like Reichman? Yeah, it'll be very similar to Reichman. We're trying to do a little bit bigger um, building. We know there is a need, whether it is from a, a business meeting to wedding to bridal shower for more indoor space for citizens. Uh, that sets up really well at A. Perry Phillips Park because of the lake views. Mm-hmm. And so we have it coordinated to be right off of the lake. It's off Bristol Lake Parkway. Um, when we talk about it's right next to Father Tolton High School is the easiest way to let people know where it's going to be at. Yeah. Um, but that'll be another facility that will be available to citizens um, functions, and whether it's a party or it's a business meeting at, on the lake at Phillips. Yeah. I um, uh, I am not a pickleball player, but my wife is uh, an avid pickleball player and uh, has the bug really bad and uh, uh, really raves about the, the courts up at Albert Oakland Park, uh, which is a long way from our house. But um, uh, so it's good to hear that you're building some uh, in another part of, uh, part of town. But um, when we travel uh, to other cities and she wants to play pickleball, uh, she is sadly disappointed by the quality of the courts compared to Columbia. And, and so, it, I mean, that's really a, a great compliment about the, the quality of the courts. Are you surprised to see the, the, the level of interest increase in pickleball? You know, since since I've been the park services manager and moving into different roles, I can tell you that there hasn't been a sport that has grown as fast as pickleball. Mm-hmm. There is just a high interest in it because of the aspects of physical fitness. To it's it's also a very social game. Yeah. So we have seen it, and that's one of the things we talked about is having courts all over the city, or should we have more courts in one location? And that's at Albert Oakland Park. Mm-hmm. And our pickleball club and our players have come back and said we would like to have them all together because for us we like to meet up on Saturdays or mm-hmm. Tuesday evenings, and our group likes to play. Yeah. Um, we. Also, when we built the Columbia Sports Fieldhouse, we added lines for indoor pickleball. Mm-hmm. And over the last two years, as the weather starts it from November to March, we have pickleball play nearly every day. Yeah. And so I think it's it's a testament to when we listen to our citizens and we find out what their needs are, we try to make sure we meet those needs. Um, I can tell you we built some additional pickleball courts last year, and now we're already being asked to build more. Right. Um, I don't know when it will stop, but right. you know, in terms of a sport, though, it's fantastic. Yeah. And it gets people outdoors. 
And I think it's it's good for older people. Um, I uh, my wife probably wouldn't appreciate hearing that, but but I think it's sort of a low impact. Um, you know, it doesn't because you're playing in doubles. You know, it doesn't require a tremendous amount of athleticism. Uh, but uh, it's well, people are avid about it. That's for sure. So, yep. you yeah, you really see a lot of different people playing pickleball nowadays. When we come back uh, from this break, we'll continue our conversation with uh, Gabe Huffington, who is the acting director of uh, Columbia's Parks and Recreation Department. We'll talk about uh, uh, what's happening to the old fairgrounds and i think some of our listeners will be happy to hear that and we'll talk about sports tourism and many other things you are listening to the ceo roundtable on 93.9 the eagle This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. Welcome back to the CEO Roundtable. Fred Perry, your host this weekend. Glad that you have tuned in. We are visiting with Gabe Huffington, who is the acting director of Columbia's Parks and Recreations Department. And um, one of the things that... uh, uh, well, one of the things I kind of want to just add to the last part of our last conversation was uh, about the pickleball courts. But, you know, it's interesting. And I think it says something about the about the department's priorities. But we have been very fortunate uh, as you look at parks and recreation facilities across the country. I had an electrician at my house uh, a couple of weeks ago working and and uh, he was uh, my the work he was doing at my house was the last thing for the day. And he was going to go play um what is it called where you throw the frisbee golf uh what's the disc golf disc golf yeah yep. disc golf and uh anyway this guy launches into this sales pitch to me about you know Columbia Missouri has the highest rated disc golf course in the United States and we've been able to attract these national tournaments to Columbia because of these disc golf courses now my recollection is that there was one up by Albert Oakland, uh, but now there's a pretty good one down at Strawn Road. What's the name of that park? Strawn Park is the name of the park, okay. and it's Harmony Bend's Disc Golf Course. Okay, Harmony Bend's Disc Golf Course. Correct. Okay. Yeah, right. we, we constructed that facility, gosh, it's been four or five years ago. Um, we actually had an individual come in and design the course for us wow. with the intention that um, with using his design that we would use it in terms of attracting these large events. Mm-hmm. So from a sports tourism standpoint, um, when you started to talk to our disc golf players, they said, you know, we have disc golf courses, um, but we really don't have this course that could attract players from all of the United States. Mm-hmm. And so as we started to do a little bit of research into it and we looked into what we could bring um, to Columbia, there was really this, this niche market for competitive disc golf. Mm-hmm. And it's grown immensely probably since we have built that course. We started seeing it pop up a little bit more. Um, last year, we actually hosted the Selinski Masters Tournament. That's a professional disc golf uh, association tournament. Um, brought over 300 players from all of the United States to Columbia um, to play disc golf. So yeah. it's pretty exciting when you can have some trust to build that type of facility. And now, you know, you go to that parking lot and you'll see cars from Missouri, Illinois, Iowa, hmm. and they're all traveling here. They're disc golf players and they want to come to Columbia to play Harmony Bends. Yeah. Um, and then they'll 
be on their way. A lot of them go to Kansas next to play places there, but it's really become that that niche disc golf course, and mm-hmm. it's still consistently ranked in the top five in the United States. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, and again, that's something that's the other side of economic development. I mean, you have the sports tourism coming in. You've got people coming in and staying in hotel rooms, uh, shopping, dining, uh, eating in our community. And, of course, tourism is really about the lowest impact uh, on our infrastructure you know what i mean that you can have in terms of a source of revenue so that's that's good the other thing that i, I kind of want to just uh uh get an update on is is um and it's tied into sports tourism but also uh considered one of the best in the nation is our cross-country uh course which is out at uh, phillips park also correct yep and um tell us uh give us an update i i saw a news release a few weeks ago that we're getting the national uh ncaa championships the the top the top event uh, coming to Columbia, Missouri in 2025. Is that correct? Yeah, when we started to talk about the cross-country course at Gaines Creek Recreationary with Mizzou Athletics, again, it was similar to what the disc golf players had said was, if you can build this type of facility, Mm -hmm. you can attract nationwide events that will bring folks from all of the United States to come to Columbia. Mm-hmm. And so when we started to talk to Mizzou Athletics about the cross-country facility, we started to talk to Misha as well. And so we now host the Misha State Cross-Country Championships every year at the facility. And that came from Jefferson City, correct? Correct. So it new, been, new revenue. Yep, it had been in Jefferson City for 43 years. Wow. On an old golf course, right? Correct. Yeah. Yep. And so when we started to build the facility and talk about what the needs were, um, we got well past just the running surface to we started to talk about the electric um there's fiber throughout the course so they can broadcast online um so if someone may not be in columbia they can still watch that event we talked about how many times people can see their athletes running and so it's really taken off from there we will host a the 2022 we hosted in ca regional um that is kind of the the first step in hosting the national championship and that will be in 2025 okay so november of 2025 we host the ncaa championships um which brings basically your top collegiate runners um, to Columbia, and they will run that race here. We just hosted last fall the SEC Championships, so that gave us a good idea of the level of competition, the expectation of when people come to Columbia for that event. And as we talk about sports tourism, those are people that will be here for a number of days, um, eating in restaurants, staying in hotels, and then really that publicity for the city of Columbia and the Parks Department and that cross-country course will just be that we're hosting these top echelon events um, that kids that are are running as a perf- almost you know a- amateur athletics to professional athletics, and they're going to start to run with us on that course. Yeah, uh, I have gotten to know the sports tourism guy in Springfield because uh, Zimmer owns some radio stations uh, in Springfield that we have recently done some work down there, and and uh, he's not a big fan of Columbia because I think we have been very successful at bringing some of these elite events to our community uh, that Springfield doesn't get a shot at, and so I mean they have taken plenty from us over the years uh, for sure but uh it sounds like we've sort of turned the corner and we're, we're starting to draw some events that uh are bringing some big bucks to our community yeah and a lot of that credit goes to our partnerships with misha mizzou athletics columbia college um our cvb does a lot of work for us mm-hmm. in terms of attracting those style events our job is to build and maintain those facilities and mm-hmm. then our recreation staff assists immensely with the operations that take place with those um, but those are the types of of facilities that we know we can build and they'll be successful you know, at one point in time, everybody had soccer fields and baseball fields. Yeah. And now we have really branched out to, while we still have those main sports,
sports and people travel and play those competitively. We're starting to see things such as cross-country, disc golf. We're going to have a lot of conversations about mountain biking coming up. That's another really? sport okay. um, that is now on a national level. Mm-hmm. It's on a national level for middle school and high school kids. Mm-hmm. Um, competitive racing has become a very big sport. Um, we're actually going to go to city council just in a few weeks. We have a donation from the Frank Morris Memorial Trust to help us in that process. Um, it's a half a million dollar donation to start that process of building some new mountain biking trails and new, the Cosmo Bike Park. Um, it's just to talk about those niche markets, um, bringing folks to Columbia, and and really, it's like every sport is that way. I know our pickleball folks; they keep telling me if they had ten more courts, we could host any national tournament yeah. we wanted. Yeah, and so we're we're trying to look at every possible different avenue, um, and then we'll see what happens from there. Yeah, it, it, it's smart when you think about our central location. Uh, the fact that we're on a major interstate, that we're sort of uh, in the middle of the country, in the middle of the state, uh, and the fact that we have world-class facilities certainly makes it uh, a much easier sell, I would mm-hmm. guess. So, Yep. Let's talk about the Boone County Fairgrounds. Um, and uh, you have got a plan. I, You guys have a, a looks like a, a working name on this thing called the Northeast, Northeast Regional Park, which I'm sure will confuse some people if you don't call it the old fairgrounds uh, in, in sync with it. But what, what's going on with the fairgrounds right now? Okay. Yeah. So the first thing, obviously, with the name, you know, it's, it, a lot of people still call it the Boone County Fairgrounds, yep. you know, and it's still the Coliseum. But one thing we wanted to do is as we start to attract, you know, new groups to the facility and we start that long term planning process, mm-hmm. similar to what we did when we acquired uh, what is now a Perry Phillips Park in Gans Creek Recreation Area, we called that Southeast Regional Park yeah. until we landed on a name. And yeah. so we started to talk about. What we should call it, names, things like that. But for now, we are, we are calling it the Northeast Regional Park. It kind of gives it that geographic location for someone that may not have ever went to the old Boone County Fairgrounds. Mm-hmm. They know where they're kind of going in Northeast Columbia. And so we've had a longstanding partnership. Um, obviously, you know, with Veterans United, they use the large buildings there on that park. And so they are actually still going to be in there between October to December. Mm-hmm. But our department is now looking at how we can use that facility outside of those times. And so we've been making some improvements to the Coliseum building. Um, we now call that the Northeast Event Center. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're looking at how we can rent that facility to the public, get some more use. Um, we know we have expenses to cover associated with the electric and the water. And then, obviously, we're going to have a long-term partnership with the Boone County Fair. Yeah. And so I've gotten to know the members of that board very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I get to go eat dinner with them, actually, tonight. <laughs> right. the, um, the Boone County Hall of Fame dinner. Right. And so we are looking at how we can get different groups into the park mm-hmm. and And then we're also talking about long-term plans. So, for instance, we're actually just working with the Boone County 4-H to bring their one of their fundraising barbecues back to that facility. And so they'll be having that coming up in May uh, at the Northeast Event Center. But we're going to start to do some different planning on that property. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we had a preliminary plan. We've talked about how we're going to we're going to have 29 acres for the Boone County Fair. And then we're going to look at the rest of the space, um, determine what we needed. A lot of that was on hold until we renewed our park sales tax. Mm -hmm. We have some dedicated funding for Northeast Regional Park um, that will be available in 2025, 2026. But before that, we really want to start this input process that will start with the feasibility study. Mm -hmm. So we will we want to make sure that we look at all possible 
um, uses for that park, yeah. um, from how the fair will use it moving forward to how we will use it in sports tourism, how we will use it as a trailhead, mm-hmm. and then how we will use it for just general park use. So if we talk about Cosmo Park, and everybody thinks, well, you play soccer at Cosmo Park, mm-hmm. but you know we have seven or eight different shelters at Cosmo Park. Um, one of our largest playgrounds are there. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have you a, a mountain connection. bike path over there. Don't yep, you? Yep. mountain bike trail. So we really want to make sure. You know, it's not very often you get a hundred acre track of land mm-hmm. um, where the majority of it's unplanned, and yep. so we want to make sure we go through this process of of building things that meet the needs of our citizens. Um, we'll build some facilities that we know we can generate revenue from to help mm-hmm. pay expenses. You know, that's been pretty crucial for us over the last five to seven years, and then obviously moving forward, we will look at that. You know, the Boone County Fair and how we can tie that in and how we make sure that they have what they need. And as I've met with those guys and, and we've talked more and more, we're really starting to see what that fair needs, mm-hmm. the facilities they need. Um, you know, we're, we're having conversations right now about bringing the demo derby back. Right. And so right. they're, they're very excited about how we tie that back into the park now. Mm-hmm. And so just moving forward for citizens, they'll know we'll, we'll do a lot of public input. Yeah. Um, any park project that we do, we start with public input. We actually end with public input before the city council approves it. So, um, that process is two to three meetings long. And so we'll go through that process. Um, but we really, the two steps, get some people to start using the park and yeah. using that facility and then to start to look at those long-term plans. Yeah. You know, I've, I've had kind of a front row seat on this fairgrounds issue for about 23 years now. And it's, it's been interesting to, the thing that has impressed me most is the level of trust that has been established between the city's parks and recreation department and uh, the agricultural stakeholders in this community who really want uh, to make sure that we don't forget our agricultural heritage. And, and, you know, we do, we support an awful lot of things for kids in sports, but it's the, the kids that are involved in FFA and with 4-H, you know, there's just not a lot of, of uh, community support for those things. And so this is one of the more outward, uh, you know, extensions of, of uh, effort to really uh, work with these kids. And so, uh, I mean, kudos to you for helping build that trust, because I think you, it's definitely uh, you, you see it and you see the amount of progress that comes as a result of that. Yeah, we have like uh, we have a unique opportunity to look at agritourism. Yep. Um, yep. in that facility. And that's something that I didn't know a lot about. And so I've been doing a little reading about it. Um, I actually just met with Ryan Smith, who's with Boone County 4-H last week. Mm-hmm. And I picked his brain a little bit about 4-H programs and yeah. what they need. And and he said, you'd be surprised at what 4-H offers yeah. in Columbia and the yeah. number of programs. And, and it reaches a wide variety of citizens. And so as we go through this planning process, we look at this facility. Um, we look at the number of acres we have. You know, we know that there are infrastructure improvements that have to be made from mm-hmm. utility aspect to um, utilizing that building from ADA accessibility. And so we'll we'll really have, you know, for me, it's going to be a great challenge. Yeah. And how we tie that together. What types of improvements have you made on the Coliseum? So we are in the process of replacing doors. We're oh, replacing okay. all the locks. Um, there was a lot of painting that needed to be done. A couple of hallways were improved as mm-hmm. well. Uh, and then on the outside, we've got some fence replacement that's being done, improving some signage. Yeah. So w- there's some larger scale, high dollar things that need to be done, but we're making sure, as, as you mentioned earlier, with our own construction staff, yeah. we're able to get in there when the weather was bad and be indoors, yeah. make some of those improvements. Yeah. Um, just so when when we talk about someone that's been in that building 10 or, 10 or 15 times, they know where the light switches are. Yeah. Um, when you <laughs> rent that facility to someone and they walk in for the first time, we want to make sure that, hey... The light switch is right here on your left. Yeah. And a lot of credit goes to Veterans United. They sunk 
hundreds of thousands of dollars in into improving the building and and keeping it uh in in working order oh yeah it's a valuable partnership for us in terms of listening to them in terms of their events and what they need yeah Um, we meet with them a couple times a year just to talk about those improvements to make sure that when they come back in in october we are ready for them and the improvements that we've made have been beneficial for their use as well all right when uh, we come back we'll talk about a few things that are coming up including fire in the sky and some other things uh and we'll also get an update on on the neighborhood parks plan and uh, what's happening at clary shy park we are visiting with Gabe Huffington, who is the acting director of Columbia's Parks and Recreation Department. You're listening to the CEO Roundtable on 93.9 The Eagle. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. Welcome back to the CEO Roundtable Show. We are visiting with Gabe Huffington, who is the acting director of Columbia's Parks and Recreation Department. We've been talking about all kinds of things happening at the fairgrounds and and all over Columbia. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Clary Shy Park because you mentioned agritourism. And, you know, one of the things that I think Parks and Recreation has been pretty successful doing is sort of leveraging these partnerships and and, uh, sort of taking the public dollars that you get from uh, the tax and leveraging that against private dollars uh, to really do something extraordinary. And so um, one of the things is this Clary Shy Park, which is the old, old fairgrounds uh, at the intersection of Clean Scales and Ash, right next to the Ark. Uh, if you've driven by there in the last few years, you have seen a lot of activity. Um, talk a little bit about uh, what's happened in the last couple of years and, and about that relationship with the Columbia Center for Urban Agriculture. So back um, right before the 2015 park sales tax renewal, Columbia Center for Urban Agriculture came to us and the conversation started with how do we improve the Columbia farmers market? Mm -hmm. They had been on that site for a number of years. And then they also wanted to talk about how do we create and improve our urban park? And when we talk about urban parks and an urban farm, um, mm-hmm. Columbia Center for Urban Ag had been on college for a number of years, so they knew they had, had an established mm-hmm. identity in our community. And so we looked at that 10 acres and we started to develop out what is now um, Columbia's Agriculture Park. When we talk about the facility that is there now, you know, even I am amazed some days when I go there just to see everything that has happened. Um, Columbia Center for Urban Agriculture has a permanent home there now. Mm-hmm. Um, their office space, their maintenance facility, their one-room schoolhouse they use as a teaching facility are there. And then when we built the MU Healthcare Pavilion, that provided the Columbia Farmers Market with a permanent home as well. So that first phase of the MU Healthcare Pavilion um, entailed covering that middle section and then building out the concrete infrastructure um, for the 98 spaces that we needed for our vendors. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you that I think the last time I had talked to Karina Smith about it, they have almost a thousand more visitors every Saturday (laughs) since we have improved that. We have over 3,000 people that are now visiting the farmer's market every Saturday. And here in just a couple of weeks, we're going to go to city council with an agreement. Um, The Economic Development Administration with the Department of Commerce Hmm. has provided us with a financial assistance award of $1.28 million um, to build out the east and west 
wings of that facility. Mm-hmm. So we've always had a phase two, which was to complete the covered structure um, and the Economic Development Administration money paired with some private donations to the Missouri Development Finance Board is going to be able to fund that $2 million project for us. And so we will start hopefully this fall with building out the additions to the MU Healthcare Pavilion. So we will have a completely covered 98 stall Columbia Farmers right. Market. And it's not just a farmer's market. It's been used for several other community events. Is that correct? Yeah, it has. Really, when COVID hit and we started to talk about people wanted to have events, but they mm-hmm. needed to be outside, yeah. um, we hosted the Battle High School Prom, right. for instance. <laughs> um, we host some Chamber of Commerce events. Uh-huh. And then a lot of just private rentals. But then also we saw a lot of just the public come mm-hmm. and use that base, the pavilion as a shelter. Um, people played music together. People met for book clubs. And mm-hmm. so it really has been a community asset. Um, you know, as I said, I'm even amazed sometimes at how, how much it's grown. The Columbia Center for Urban Agriculture, you know, their goal is to to grow and donate 50,000 pounds of food every year from that site. Yeah. And so they're well on their way, you know, for that goal as well. And then the number of volunteers that just help them is amazing every week at the farm. And so really, you know, once we get this, this next phase, this pavilion structure done, you know, it'll be even a busier market on Saturdays for us. Yeah. If you haven't been by there lately, you need to drive by. I will warn you, you will have garden envy. Uh, it, it is amazing the way that things grow in those gardens uh, that... Uh you could never do in your own backyard. I'm not sure what the secret sauce is, but uh, it's it's pretty impressive. Um, there, uh, I saw a few things in the newspaper about uh, you're moving fire in the sky. Are you bringing fire in the sky actually back? Is that did we did we have a couple years without fire in the sky? We had a couple years with fire in the sky, but I I would not say that it was our normal event. Okay. So you know for for many years we had it um, you know on Mizzou campus, and then we had it down at Flat Branch mm-hmm. um, at Flat Branch Park Peace Park, and we shot fireworks. And then um, during the pandemic, we had a fireworks show at Cosmo Bethel Park, fireworks show at American Legion Park, and so we are looking for a permanent home. And and right now we are have had some city council discussions already about hosting fire in the sky at Stevens Lake Park. Mm-hmm provides us with the space to where we can shoot fireworks um, that will will be high enough, big enough for a great fireworks show, but also enough space for a lot of public to be in one area. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got facilities there already. We've got parking plans. Our fire department and also a police department have, have experienced events there in the past, recommended that location to us. And so we will continue on that planning process for the next couple of months leading to 4th of July um, to be able to bring back um, that full event that we always had pre-pandemic. Yeah. Uh there's an event called Juneteenth, which a lot of our listeners may not be familiar with, but it is now a national holiday. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, tell us what Parks and Recreation is doing in conjunction with that. Yep. So Juneteenth um, is a holiday that we have, have focused on for a number of years. We've always had some events. Um, this year, the, our entire month of June, we're going to have some different events um, to recognize that holiday, um, whether it's a movie in a park or or it's even our food trucks at Clary Shy Park. We're going to do some displays at the Armory. And so Juneteenth, you'll hear a lot more about. You'll hear some more advertising about it. We have some great community partners that are going to do some events at Cosmo Park, also at Douglas Park. And so really, that's a another event that we're gearing up for. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw the importance of it last year when it was made a national holiday, and so we want to make sure we are recognizing that with different events leading up to it, and then also throughout that weekend. Now, I don't want to put you on the spot, but my recollection, uh, and I, it's a little unclear in my mind, but Juneteenth is actually uh, uh, celebrates the emancipation of slaves. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. So, so that 
typically happens around one day. What date? June twentieth. June twentieth. Okay, yep. very good. Well, uh, thank you. That's that's going to be interesting to watch what you guys do with that. Um, when you um, there's a, a the Columbia Sports Fieldhouse, which you mentioned earlier with pickleball courts. Um, you know, I really wasn't paying very close attention when that was being built, but I had the opportunity to go out there for a meeting, and uh, I was blown away by sort of the quality of that space. And that is uh, out in what I would call Discovery Ridge. Uh, it's it's adjacent to Perry Phillips Park, correct? Yeah, it's located within the park. It's within the park, mm-hmm. okay. Right, right off there. of of that the road, right next to the Aria Apartment Complex. So if you're driving by Aria Apartments, you're actually going to look just beyond that. You'll see the Columbia Sports Fieldhouse. Um, when we opened that facility in 2018, our goal was to increase the number of hardwood courts in right. Columbia. Right. Um, when we talked about our needs for indoor basketball, volleyball, you know, that was the one thing we kind of came back to. We have the ARC, the Activity Recreation Center, which is a daily use facility you can, you can play basketball at. You can do a lot of different things. But we didn't have that space for basketball and volleyball teams. Mm-hmm. We thought we would also grow into some other sports, and, and we have a little bit. Um, but we are definitely now meeting the needs of basketball, whether it's Columbia Youth Basketball Association, um, all of our club volleyball teams. And so we built that facility with the the long-term plan to double in size with the potential to triple in size. Mm-hmm. So we opened our first four courts. Um, it is designed to be connected for with another four courts. And with the renewal of the park sales tax, um, we will be able to start on that process. So we are actually finalizing a contract with our architect right now. And our hope is that over the next year to two years, we're under construction with the second phase of the Columbia Sports Fieldhouse. And when we talk about that facility, we're we're meeting our needs of our local players and our mm-hmm. local teams. But we are also, again, talking about sports tourism and bringing folks to Columbia to play different sports. Um, the best example I have is we hosted a national middle school basketball championship there. We had a little right around 120 teams. Wow. Um, it was a oh. individual hosts these types of tournaments all over the United States. He said, I will be back next year. This was fantastic. Yeah. Um, his hope is to grow it to about 180 teams. Wow. Um, so when you talk about the number of, of parents, family, players, coaches, um, even referees, the number of people involved with that facility has grown immensely. When we get to eight courts, that also opens us up, um, as our CVB will tell us, to new tournaments, mm-hmm. larger tournaments, you know, where we can host things all in one location. Yeah, fascinating. Mm-hmm. All right, let me ask you the, the question, your favorite question uh, that you get asked all the time, I bet, is what about ice? Um, will there ever be an ice rink in Columbia, Missouri that is publicly owned? You know, Mike Griggs and I talk about this a lot. The hard part with ice is recovering your costs. Yeah. When you talk about the expenses associated with ice and you talk about the number of people that can be in the facility, it can be difficult. I think long term, we will always look at some type of private public partnership to build an ice rink. Mm-hmm. That's what Mike and I have talked quite a bit about over yeah. my career. And, you know, and he's always asked that question too. I think every interview we always have. Um, would I say no? It will never be here. Absolutely not. Right. Um, I think some long term planning. And I think community support and, you know, us looking at a lot of different facilities and figuring out what works, Yeah. Um, whether that's one sheet of ice, two sheets of ice, how, how many 
how much can you program it? Yeah. You know, will people skate it at 10 o'clock at night, for mm-hmm. instance, because this is our available ice? And so I think, uh, you know, I'll, I'll never say never in terms of an ice rink. I yeah. think, you know, even if you go back to Mr. Green, as we talked about earlier, that yeah. was, he, we always ask, you know, what are your regrets? What did you not get yeah. done as a Parks and Rec director? Um, and, you know, and ice always comes up in discussions. <laughs> a lot of different, a lot of different things too. Yeah. But ice is always one of those that we, we've never solved that problem yet in terms of providing that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's, I think there's a very vocal minority that supports it. You know, they're they're pretty loud. Yep. Uh, why do you think it works in Jeff City? You know, they've they've had it for a long time. Yeah, it's always been there. Is uh, it heavily subsidized down there? Oh yes. Okay. Um, I, I think most ice rinks they always talk about it's twenty five thirty percent is wow. is what you're going to make, and then yeah. you're going to subsidize the rest. I think there's probably other models that probably are more successful. So you can than recover twenty five percent of the cost is all you can recover. Correct. Wow, potentially, yeah. yeah. They, you know, and and that's the hard part. You know, and mm-hmm. like I said, you may be able to program it more to where you can recover additional costs, or in the summertime if you don't have ice twelve months of the year what can you do in it yeah um you know could you put pickleball courts on the concrete underneath it you know through the summer months and have indoor pickleball i don't know you know it's something that you know we always always look at those things we we always earmark space for those types of facilities so whether you're talking about northeast regional park or a perry phillips park we have some large spaces that could host those types of facilities Mm -hmm. um but it's just a matter of you know priorities of our citizens and and what we can do with it in terms of whether that's sports tourism or daily use yeah that's what we always have to consider okay about a minute left uh what do you if you look at the future of the department you've been around for a while uh you uh, will, uh, of course, uh, interview to become the full-time director. Uh, what, what's the future of the department look like to you? You know, we, we've been very successful. Uh, our reputation has, you know, has been built. You know, I hope to discontinue those things. Mm-hmm. That's first and foremost. We yeah. have to make sure we do that. The second is starting to look long-term at, like, for instance, we talk about an ice rink or we talk about other facilities, um, making sure that we do our public input process on those. We are getting ready to update our neighborhood park plan. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also going to start to look at our, our trails plan as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've got some long-term planning we need to do as well. And then also in our recreation services department and our programs, making sure that we are offering programs that everyone in Columbia is going to use. And so we're looking at ways to where we can talk to the public as well about, you know, what we can do in terms of recreational programs. Are we offering what is needed? Mm -hmm. Um, And then if there are improvements that we can make, what would those be? Um, One quick example would be we sold out of every available camp space at at Camp Como Kids in about 30 to 45 minutes. Mm. Um, That's a weekly camp that we offer through the summer. Uh, and, you know, that might be somewhere we have to look at yeah. in terms of do we need additional camps um, for the citizens of Columbia. Yeah. That's Gabe Huffington. Uh, Gabe, thank you. Congratulations on your success with Parks and Recreation. We appreciate you taking time to join us this weekend. Uh, we'll be back next weekend with another edition of the CEO Roundtable. You've been listening to 93.9 The Eagle. This city is my city and I love it. Yeah, I love it.